At this time, the children may be dismissed for preschool play and worship and children's church. I'll invite the rest of you to get your Bibles ready. I hope your Bible-flipping fingers are feeling dexterous this morning. We're going to be all over the place. Uh, We're we're done with our study of 1 Corinthians for this year. And for the next several Sundays, we're going to be studying what the Bible has to say about prayer in preparation for our revival prayer meetings. Uh, So as you get your Bible ready, you know, I asked at the, or I mentioned at the beginning how important it is as Christians that we be growing in our love for God and our love for people. Yeah, as Christians, we believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that none should perish, but that all uh, would have everlasting life. And we, as Christians, have received Jesus Christ. We've been forgiven. We've been adopted as sons. We've been made new. We've been reconciled with God. We're no longer alienated from him. We're new creatures, new life. We have all these blessings through Jesus Christ. Now, that's not where it ends, though. Uh, We're not just meant to grow fat on the blessings of Jesus Christ while sinners starve out in the world. We're given all these so that we can become lean and muscular, going out Christians, going and making disciples Christians. Now, I am optimistic that we are growing in our love for God and our love for people. I see a lot of evidence of you know, us as a general, as a people taking God's word more seriously and responding more obediently and, um, generally worshiping him more in our decision-making and how we go about being, uh, in our families and in our workplace. And I'm very encouraged by that. And I see a lot of fruit that we're growing in our love for people. I've seen a real spike in selflessness as more and more of us seems like one by one are becoming caretakers for different people in our family, uh, aging parents and things like that. Um, I'm so thankful to see the kind of selflessness that I see in those situations. And um, as I talk with people, I hear a real concern for people that you work with, and um, particularly some of you in the school system, kids in your school system, and um, all that is awesome. And I just, I want to Like Paul felt so thankful for the Philippians, I feel thankful for you. I'm thankful for the faithfulness that I see God bringing about in you. Uh, But really, discipleship is the true test. Because ultimately, we're not really loving anyone if we're not giving them the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, If we give someone a coat and send them on their way, but we don't tell them, in Jesus Christ, you can have way more than that coat. You can have a reconciled relationship with God. You could have new life and forgiveness from your sins. So are we growing in our desire to see the gospel reach the furthest edges of the world? Are we growing in our financial prioritization of global missions? Are we growing in our consideration of the people around us and where they stand spiritually with Christ? Are we growing in the amount of Uh, time and energy given to pray for those that we know and love who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Are we growing in our curiosity about what our missionaries are doing out there in the world and our time praying for them? Uh, Those are important metrics. If you want to try to measure church health, I think those are very important things to think about. And my goal today is simply to uh, hold out to you some ways to pray 
for missions, for foreign missions, for local missions, uh, evangelism, just some ways to pray. Because I believe that we do have this love for God and love for people uh, heating up, building up in us as we continue to be Christians. And what I want to do is just give a release valve to that. And we've already done that with giving, and I thank you for that, for your generosity. And now I want to point you toward praying. Okay, I want us to become a praying people. I want, I want me, I want, I want me to become a praying person. Is that correct grammar? Didn't feel right. I want to become a praying person. I want to be, um, I want to be a much more prayerful pastor. I want to be much more concerned in my prayers for evangelism and missions. So we're going to just hold up these scriptures and let God do his work through them. Uh, but before we do that, let's do pray together for God to speak to us. Father, as we look at these passages, I just am reminded of my inability to bring about spiritual change in myself or in your people through my efforts. I'm reminded that it comes from you, that we come to you looking to receive. We don't bring really anything to the table here. We don't come to you as though we are excellent people and therefore you ought to bend down to us and be near to us. We come to you humbly, recognizing that we are far from perfect and possibly in many ways sinful in this area of discipleship and missions and prayer. But let us not come to these passages feeling guilty or ashamed or beating ourselves up because there is now, therefore, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Let us come to these passages and see them for what they are and be uh, inspired by them for what our lives could be and should be and will be as we grow as Christians. May we become a radically, passionately missionary people. Please transform us as we renew our minds with your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. So I have for you three ways to pray for missions. All right. Now, this, these will help us pray for foreign missions and foreign missionaries and our own, uh, what the Lord may do with us in terms of foreign missions. It'll help us pray for the people under our same roof that may not be Christians in our neighborhoods and our coworkers and our families, our friendships. So the first is this pray for progress, pray for progress. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And I'm sorry I did not have time to put all these up on the PowerPoint because I had so many. And honestly, even up until last night and this morning, I couldn't decide which ones to leave out and which ones to focus on. So you'll have to look in your Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. Again, this is Paul writing. And he asks these people, in first, and I'm sorry, did I say First Corinthians? I'm sorry, Colossians. I've been up here for several weeks preaching from First Corinthians, and it's just in my muscle memory, I think. I'm sorry about that. Colossians chapter 4. Remember, Paul talked about God working through human weakness. So, you're welcome for my <laughs> obvious human weakness. Colossians chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. Continue 
steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Verse 3 is what I really want you to see here. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. That God may open for us a door for the word. Have you ever been locked out of your house or your car or someplace that you really wanted to get into, but you couldn't because everything was locked, windows were locked, doors were locked? Some of you may remember uh, we actually moved from Albemarle up here. We used to live in Albemarle. And when uh, the Lord called me to be the pastor of the church here, we moved into the parsonage, leaving our house in Albemarle there. And uh, for the longest time, it just sat there. We wanted to sell it, but nobody wanted to buy it. Um, And eventually, we ended up renting it. But for a long time, it sat there vacant. And I would go back almost every Saturday and do work on it and try to get it into some kind of condition that somebody might want to buy. And it's a pretty long drive from here to where we lived in Albemarle. And I remember multiple mornings that I drove from here first thing in the morning to there only to realize I'd left the keys to the Albemarle house here. And I'll sit in my driveway. It's too early to wake up neighbors. So frustrated. Um, Luckily, there is a way to break into the Albemarle house that I found out, but it is awkward. It involves pulling up the rolling trash can so you can get on top of it and propping up the kitchen window, which is a small window that wants to it wants to stay closed just by gravity so you had to find the right kind of stick to jam it open and then you gotta climb up on the plastic wobbly garbage can and you gotta shimmy through that and it lands you on the sink area so then you gotta navigate over the sink and into the house and i did that more than once um because i was locked out see paul's feeling here seems to be the same feeling i had sitting in my album royal house I wanted an open door so I could get in there and do what I needed to do. I came to work. I I brought all my tools. I brought everything I needed. But I didn't have the power to open the door to get in there. That seems to be Paul's position as a missionary. Paul traveled around and he's got the gospel. He's got the tools. And he wants badly to give that gospel to people. But he doesn't have the power to himself to open the door. And so he asked for these people to pray for him. Pray that there might be to us an open door for the word. We need an opportunity. We need uh, another passage in Second Th- Thessalonians talks about the word speeding ahead. Pray for the word to speed ahead. See, gospel progress comes through prayer. God designed it that way so that God would be glorified in all of this. Gospel progress does not come from human ingenuity. Now, yes, we need to do the best we can to think about how to get the gospel to people in our lives and around the world, but ultimately... God's the one who has to open the door for us. He wants us to pray our way into the door to give the gospel to people. Prayer is the key that opens the door for the word to individuals and families and neighborhoods in the world. I want you to think for a minute about the people in your life. Who is the most difficult in your life that you know is not a Christian Who is the most difficult person for you to imagine you sharing the gospel with? Just think about it for a minute. Some of you are like shaking your head already, you know who who it is. 
Who is it? No, I'm just kidding. Don't say it out loud. You know, I have in my mind a couple of people. Get that person in your mind. How are you going to share the gospel with them? I mean, let's just say, hypothetically, the Lord is calling you to be the one to share the gospel with them. What scenario would have to take place to allow that to happen? How can you get from here in this pew to there in that conversation? You get there through prayer. You get there through, like, Paul asking your fellow believers, pray for me that there may be a door open for the gospel word. Pray that there will be an open door for me to do this. You know, think about the, think now in terms, not just personal, but global. Where would be the scariest place to try to go with the gospel? Okay, some of you have been watching the news. You have different things coming to mind. Some of you have been overseas for the gospel, and maybe you have some of your own experiences coming to mind. Um, There's something called the World Watch List that kind of tracks which nations are the hardest to be Christians in and to go in with the gospel. And they flag North Korea as being the most closed, the most hostile. Um, Here's what they said on their website. For the 13th consecutive year, North Korea is ranked number one on the world watch list of the 50 countries where persecution is most extreme. The godlike worship of the leader, Kim Jong-un, and his predecessors leaves little room for any other religions And Christians face unimaginable pressure in every sphere of life. Meeting with other Christians is virtually impossible. Anyone discovered engaging in unauthorized religious activity is subject to arrest, arbitrary detention, disappearance, torture, and or execution. Those Christians who attempt to return to North Korea from China are sentenced to life in prison or executed. They have purged 10,000 uh, North, Co- North Koreans last year, including some Christians. So now go from thinking about that very difficult person in your own life to thinking about North Korea. Okay, that difficult person in, in your own life, that's a person. North Korea, that's thousands and thousands of people that do not know Jesus Christ. Okay, some of them will die just of old age today not knowing Jesus Christ. But how... How can we, we as Doolins Grove and we as, as the church, Christians in general, how can we bring the gospel to these people that desperately need it? You know, we're looking around at the outside of North Korea thinking, how are we going to get in there? We would get in there through prayer. If we care to get in there at all, it's, we're going to get in there through prayer. I know it might seem ridiculous for me to be talking to Doolins Grove Church about let's go to North Korea with the gospel. But... It's only ever been just Christians going places with the gospel. I mean, that's, that's the way the church has always grown. And God has done some amazing things throughout history, opening doors for the gospel to get into countries where they did not want it and it should not have been allowed. And God has done some awesome things through individuals, sharing the gospel with individuals, even here in America. People receiving the gospel who did not want to receive the gospel, who were locked down, hardened to it yet become Christians because God opens the door. And another important important point to remember here is that it's the same God. The same God who opens up doors into hostile nations with the gospel can open up doors 
to hostile individuals that you know for the gospel as well. We have this all-powerful God, all-loving God who passionately wants people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. He doesn't want anyone to perish without that. So I think the first step in evangelism and missions is prayer for an open door, for progress, that the, that the word could speed forward. You know, we, think, we need to think about the circles that we travel in and we need to pray for open doors to those people. And we need to think beyond that, Lord, what open doors do you want us to walk through to spread the gospel to the nations? Remember, the call is for nations. So the first way to pray for missions is pray for progress. The second way to pray for missions is pray for protection. Pray for protection. For this one, let's look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. Finally, brothers, once again, Paul asking for prayer. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. So here's Paul once again praying for for progress for the word, but also praying for protection. Now, if, if we are and we are. Lord willing, somehow we are. If we are going to get serious about evangelism and missions, we need to go ahead and and fasten into our minds the fact that persecution is real, that evangelism and missions does not always earn a pat on the back, but sometimes it earns danger and pain. One website that tracks these things their research found that on average each month around the world 322 Christians are killed for their faith 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed 772 forms of violence are committed against Christians such as beatings, abductions, rapes arrests and forced marriages According to the Pew Research Center, 75% of the world's population lives in areas with severe religious restrictions. So we're, we're living in this kind of an anomaly of a, the, the dying embers of a Christian culture. Where Christianity was patted on the back and celebrated. Going to church was, you get a thumbs up. Okay, that is changing. We feel that changing. We're starting to feel a little bit threatened, especially with some of our beliefs about sexuality and and marriage and abortion and things like that. And I I don't know where things are headed. I don't know what things will look like in the future for us in America. But most Christians in the world don't enjoy the just outright freedom to, to worship like we do. And we need to not just think about in our little bubble where it's it's easy. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 10 through 12, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
In John 16.33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. As American Christians, we are very used to comfort. But, you know, globally, Christianity is not necessarily all that comfortable. Now, it's okay because in Jesus we have peace. And we can take heart, even though in the world we will have trouble. He's overcome the world. The the world trouble is always going to be temporary because Jesus is victorious and he will return. But discomfort is a fact of life for Christians in this current world. We should expect it. We should anticipate it. We should be prepared for it. We should be so strong in our relationship with Jesus Christ that we're okay in it. Paul was persecuted like crazy. This is um, an amazing passage of scripture in 2 Corinthians 11. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is defending his ministry and he's... he's um, just sharing a little bit about himself to prove that he is legitimate. And here he highlights all the persecution he endured. He talks about, he compares his suffering with other ministers and he says, uh, far greater labors, far more imprisonments. This is in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? See, Paul, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to have the missionary ministry of Paul to be that successful in ministry? To, have, to look behind you in your life on your deathbed and see all these churches planted and gospel inroads into new nations and all this fruitfulness? Well, would you still love to have it knowing how painful that path is? I think if we are going to get serious about evangelism and missions, I think we need to anticipate some pain. I don't know what it would look like. I mean, what kind of danger do we face in personal evangelism that we already back down from? And I do mean we. I'm not up here on my high horse saying, you people ought to evangelize more. I'm definitely preaching this to myself as well. You know, my personal confession is I let this truly reflect me is that I will share the gospel if it is comfortable and I am sure that it will result in no social awkwardness. But if there's going to be social awkwardness, I'll wait. Now, if if social awkwardness is enough to silence me, how much would arrests and imprisonment and beatings? Now, the good news here is The same God that enabled Paul to endure what he endured 
is the same God that we have that will enable us to endure whatever we may have to endure. So we can pray for progress. We can pray for protection. Whatever it is that stops us. We can pray for protection and we can go forward. And finally, we can pray for power. As I looked, I I studied a lot of scriptures preparing for this sermon where um, Paul asked people to pray for him or we saw the church praying uh, or Paul mentioned what he prayed for in regard to evangelism and missions. And one of the most recurring themes was praying for boldness. You see that a lot. Uh, Paul asking for people to pray that he could be bold, you know, praying himself that he would be bold, the church praying for boldness. I'll share one of those with you in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Some of the apostles had just gotten uh, detained or arrested for sharing the gospel, and they'd just been released. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them, which basically was, stop it. Stop proclaiming the gospel. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, listen to this prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father, David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you appointed, anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So the idea is, they quoted a psalm, basically the idea is God is sovereign over nations. He's sovereign over persecution. This isn't things that are out of his control. These are things that he uses to bring about his glory and to help spread the gospel. But here's the part I really want you to see in verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. With all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Boldness. As we're praying for power and evangelism and missions, we can and should and will pray for boldness. That word boldness means a freedom and confidence and, and openness. The technically it's in the Greek is a prefix for all in a word that means a statement made with resolve, stuck together. It's being able to to state these things that we need to state with resolve, fully, totally. Really, in America, this is just about the only prayer we need right now. It's just boldness. We're, we don't really need a lot of doors open in the way that you would trying to go into North Korea. Um, really, we're free to discuss these things. We're here. We're already rubbing elbows with non-Christians at work and in our family and in the community. 
What we lack is not opportunity so much and not protection so much as boldness. And again, I do mean we. You think about your aging parents or your family members, your acquaintances, your neighbors. You know, what stops us from having more conversations with more people about Jesus Christ? What stops us from asking people, what are your thoughts about Jesus? I mean, you've known me long enough to know that I'm a Christian and I care deeply about these things. What do you think about them? And then entering into that conversation. It's not that it's easy. I mean, Paul asked for people to pray for him to be bold. Ephesians 6 is an example of that. That famous passage in Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. You might remember that after he talks about the armor of God, he ends with a plea for prayer for himself. He says in Ephesians six nineteen, Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul needed prayer for boldness. You might think, Paul, if anybody could just go boldly with the gospel, it would be Paul. Everything he experienced, everything he accomplished, but even he felt the need for boldness. So much so that he would request churches to pray for him. Just pray that I'll be bold because otherwise I'm tempted to be timid or I'm tempted to be quiet. Or I'm tempted to, to shade the full truth of what I'm trying to say in a more palatable way. Or I'm tempted to skirt around the dangerous area and go to the safe area. I need you to pray for me so I'll be bold. If Paul needed it, we need it. We can pray for one another to be bold with the gospel. We can pray for our missionaries to be bold with the gospel. I put uh, these prayer cards out on the front table so that hopefully throughout the coming weeks we'll take one, maybe just one each, and pray for the people here. Pray for boldness for these missionaries who are out there. If we don't pray for boldness, we won't have boldness. Yeah, I look at myself, why am I not more bold with the gospel? Well, are you praying that you'd be bold with the gospel? Or are you just relying on your own strength? We can pray for power by praying for boldness. We can pray for power by praying for more laborers. I'll read another passage to you. I hope I'm not fatiguing you with all these passages. But we are rounding finish line is in view here. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the problem isn't that the harvest is is wimpy this year. It's the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty of work to be done. There's plenty of people that need to hear the gospel. There's plenty of people who would respond to the gospel if they heard it. The problem is we need more laborers to go out into the fields. And that's another thing we're instructed to pray for. God, send more laborers. So first, we've got to be open if he would send me. 
Okay, so I think of one in particular, one person that I care about that needs to hear the gospel, needs to come to faith in Christ, that I'm terrified to share the gospel with. Um, I need, first of all, as I'm praying for them, Lord, if it's me, send me and make me bold. But I need also to realize maybe there's other laborers that he might bring into that area of the harvest. You know, you guys in the school system, maybe there's certain kids that you really want to give the gospel to. And maybe you're, you know, you're kind of hindered because your position as a driver or as administrator or something. Part of your prayer for them can be, Lord, send more laborers. You know, send peers, send Christian children to them. Send Christian friends uh, of, parents of friends to them. Send the gospel to them from every different direction. Send laborers out into this harvest. As we think about world missions, we pray the same. It may not be you. He may not call you to North Korea. He may not call you to share the gospel with that really difficult person. He may have other people. Or he might send you. We can pray for power by praying for boldness, for laborers, and for the words to say. Remember back in Ephesians 6, Paul asked that people would pray for him to have the words to say. Isn't that comforting? And probably the number one reason we don't share the gospel more often is that we're afraid we're not going to know what to say. They're going to ask a question and I'm going to look like an idiot and I'm going to make Jesus look like an idiot because I'm not going to know what to say. Well, how can we know what to say? We pray. Paul needed to pray that way. He needed people to pray for him to know what to say. There's so much more that could be said about this, but we'll stick with those three headings because they all start with P, so they're a little bit more memorable. We can pray for progress. We can pray for protection. We can pray for power. How will we, as individuals and as a church, move forward with the gospel in evangelism and missions? Prayer. How will we become the type of Christians who can face danger? Both hypothetical danger of a potentially socially awkward situation and real danger of persecution. How can we become that kind of Christian? Prayer. How will we become bold in evangelism and missions? Bold enough to have these conversations weekly, daily even with people. Bold enough to answer the call when the Lord will give us wisdom on how he wants us to move, maybe to go toward foreign missions. How will we become like that? Prayer. How will Christians swarm the whole earth and take the gospel to all the nations? Prayer. How will we know what to say in those conversations? When our heart's beating fast, you know that feeling? How will we know what to say? Prayer. And the inverse is true. Without prayer, we're going to go nowhere. We're going to face no danger. We're going to remain timid. We're going to remain right here in our place. And we're going to remain silent. But we can pray for these things. We can pray for progress and protection and power. We can pray for uh, boldness. We can pray for more laborers, including potentially ourselves. We can pray for the words to say. And we can expect God to answer these prayers. We can be excited in anticipation for him to answer these prayers. You can pray that way on September 27th when we have our first revival prayer meeting. Where that's going to be our full focus. We're going to pray over a bunch of missionaries. 
We're going to do intercessory prayer for the people in our own lives. Uh, Those that are not confidential, we're going to pray for by name. We're going to pray for one another to be bold, to go with the gospel to these people. We're going to pray that the Lord would give us a, a specific vision for what he wants us to do in terms of world missions. Uh, we can pray that way every Sunday morning. Uh, thank God. Uh, it was so encouraging. We had a full room in my office for prayer this morning. If one more person had come, uh, we would have needed another chair. If two more people had come, we would have probably needed to move out of there into a bigger room, which is really encouraging to me. We pray together at 930 every Sunday morning. And any of you guys, please join us. I'd love to be too many to meet in my office. We can pray that way every new morning. We can pray that way every time we arrive at our place of business or wherever we're going, that the Lord would open a door during our time there. And you know what? We can pray that way right now. I think that's probably the best way to close our sermon. Would you bow with me? Okay, you're... Eyes are closed and your head is bowed. You've just listened to a sermon. You might be sleepy. But I want you to just pray personally for a moment. I want you to pray personally about the people in your life that need to hear the gospel. Father, I feel like these are prayers that potentially could have immediate answers. I think of how exciting it would be to come together next Sunday and just hear story after story of how you answered these prayers we are praying right now. So we ask together with one mind and one heart that you would open doors for your word. And we think first of our immediate surroundings. So we think about our family and our coworkers and our neighbors and our friends those that we come into contact with this week. Lord, please open doors for your word this week. Pave a way for the gospel. And help us to walk through those doors. Help us to be ready to share with people the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for their sins, that he arose from the grave, that he, through faith in him, they could be forgiven. And they can follow him as their living Lord. Be reunited with you. Lord, help us every day to lace up our, our shoes of, the, of gospel readiness, like you say in Ephesians 6. Lord, may your gospel progress in our community this week. And we thank of the nations and we pray for the missionaries out there toiling and laboring now. Lord, give them open doors into some of the most closed up places to take your word. And we pray also for protection over these people who are in dangerous places where being a Christian very well could get them killed. Please protect them and deliver them. But above all, help them to remain steadfast in the pain. If there's anything that we can do for them, please show us. But help them not to waver for one minute on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please prepare us for any persecution in the future that we may face. Prepare us for any difficulties we may face this week as we try to be obedient to your word and sharing the gospel. And finally, Lord, we ask for power. Give us supernatural power to share your gospel. 
Give us boldness. Help us to be free to share your gospel with people this week. We pray for boldness for the missionaries out there on the field as well. Send more laborers out into the nations and into our schools and our workplaces and community and every corner of the earth. Send laborers to the harvest and send to us, if that is your will, show us how we can be laborers in the harvest. As individuals and as a church, please show us how to do that. And give us the words to say. And as we go forward and as we are your people in this world, your evangelists and your missionaries, may many people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And may you be glorified in it all. In Jesus' name, amen.